Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at one 800 364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com Ike Eisenhower State Farm Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998 Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at ikeisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. Here with Mr. Ken Unger today, I guess you could say we're kind of re-engineering the village. Ken, is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd say so in a little in a little bit of way here or there. Yeah, we're we're kind of re-engineering here as we as we find things for sure. Well, so. we were talking before I hit the button, and I wanted I hadn't shared this with you before, but I have uh, ashtrays that Cooper used to give out. And then let's be frank, Cooper is the developer. I'm I'm going from the 20 mile high view. Cooper is the developer. <clears throat> they built the city. They get to do it the way they want. But it may not be a permanent plan when we start. You know, so when we start, we buy. 14, 14, 15,000 acres, and then we build on a little more, and then we build on a little more, and then we give out ashtrays that say where the Balboa Golf Course now exists. It says, possible development here, Ponce Golf Course, maybe. On, on the ashtray, it says possible. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you huh. know, when that meant Coronado was built, but they were going to call where Balboa is, which is a pretty big place. They were going to call that Ponce. Well, there certainly wasn't a east end water treatment plant there wasn't a, a lot of things at the time tell me how we have a mismatch between the the sewer and water ken what's going on there yeah i mean there's a there's a there's a bunch of things going on and you know we i've spent the first uh, year year and a half intensely looking at the sewer systems and, and issues that we have there i mean you know it should be no surprise to anybody that uh you know the infrastructure that's out there is at least 30 years old and, mm-hmm. and the western side of the village is 50 years old Mm-hmm. Uh, the sewer treatment plant on the west side of the village is uh, pretty close to its end of useful life based on the system they put in. Wow. Uh, it needs a, needs a lot of upgrades. Um, the plant on the east side at Cedar Creek is is in need of upgrades. We have a lot of infrastructure that's taking on water when it rains. That's called I&I, infiltration and inflow. Um, that causes issues in the lines themselves and in plants themselves. 
So, you know, we have to have a kind of a holistic plan here of, of, of what to do to um, meet our permit requirements at our, at our treatment plants, as well as DEQ's requirements, which is the state for, you know, uh, containing uh, the, the flow that gets into those systems and don't allow it to overflow, you know, uh, out into the streets or out into you know, people's yards or wherever the manholes are. So, you know, so we've, we've got a plan that, that we've laid out. Um, it involves actually uh, collapsing our plants to, to the east side uh, and, and sending all the flow over there um, from, from the facilities that are delivering to the Mill Creek plant. And, uh, you know, we think in the long run, that's not only going to save us a ton of uh, money that we have to spend as residents to upgrade both plants, mm-hmm. um, but it'll lower our operation costs or chemical electricity, uh, manpower, uh, things it takes to run a plant. Um, and allow us to, you know, focus our investment on a long-term location that has the room to grow. Um, it should sustain us for, you know, you know, probably another 50 years, if not longer, uh, from everything we, we see, you know, as far as the space we have. So so those plans are in the works right now, and, and we're going to be talking to the state about those plans. And uh, we got that pretty well under control, I think. Uh, we bypassed a lot of infrastructure that was over-designed um, on the sewer side, uh, saving us some money there. Um, and then if you look at the water side, it's it's kind of the inverse of that, uh, where, you know, the water system, and we're still analyzing that. So, like I said, we spent a lot of time on on the, on the sewer this past year. So now we're, we're looking intently at the water. But the water system was kind of designed like a tree, if you can if you can picture a tree. And as the village continued to grow from west to east, they basically just kept extending water, the water system out into these areas in order to feed them. Um, and, you know, when we upgraded the plant in 2000, I think, 14, 15, whatever time that was, we, we doubled the size of the plant. Uh, but there was never anything done to the distribution system to, you know, assume that that water was going to be able to be delivered. So, um, you know, that's what we're analyzing right now. Uh, we, we, we are pretty sure we're going to need a couple new water tanks, one on the west side, probably, as well as one on the east side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there may be some water main that need to be upsized um you know the other aspect of this that you know we're looking at is where we can provide diversity uh so you know when we had some of these uh uh main breaks uh you know where we shot ourselves in the foot which uh, i'm sure you know we can talk about um you know part of the issues there were where we didn't have diverse feeds uh to back feed some of these areas so you know when you have a main break basically you cut off everything downstream of it there's no loops right so yeah. You know, we're, we're going to be looking at ways to improve the redundancy in the village and, and that help that, that solves and helps a lot of different areas. Um, and, and, you know, as part of our year of operations, making sure everything we currently have actually works, which is another issue. Uh, we have a lot of valves that don't work that, that bit us in the butt in one of these outages that we had. And uh, so we got a lot of money to invest over the, the next five to seven years uh, to, to get the infrastructure where it needs to be. Um, and, I, and I'll throw in there, you know, on the water side, because people uh, have been talking about this a little bit. You know, one of the main things that drives our usage on water is irrigation, if you can believe it. So, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the summer months, you know, we we almost I don't I would say pr- probably we double production, water production because of irrigation. I've seen the numbers. So, it's more like 80 percent. It's very close to double, which yeah, is it's, just it's, unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, I, I've been and I'm going to continue to to try to uh, preach this that, you know, as a community, we need, you know, we need to find ways to, to conserve water. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're watering your yard, do you really need to be watering it two hours a day? Is that is that really what's required? You know, mm-hmm. what, what do you need? Is it 15 minutes adequate? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm challenging POA facilities too. You know, when you go out the West Gate and, and there's water flooding the street, you know, are, are we over irrigating the uh, landscaping we got in there? You know, are we over, over irrigating tennis courts or anything else we have? So, you know, but we, we have to, you know, it's in our best interest to get that under control because that's going to drive, you know, some of these improvements we're, we're looking at right now. And I don't want to spend millions if we don't have to. So, well, um, and, and Ken, you bring up so many great points here. Let, let me interrupt just for a sec. Part of it, and this is just finally, I've traveled a little bit outside the United States. Well, you know, not everybody irrigates with perfectly clear chlorinated, uh, fluorinated water. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have pristine water that is fantastic water by any standard. DEQ will tell you that when we do our reports, we have great water. Sure. And we're, we're putting it on the weeds. I mean, literally. And Steve Simpkins, a buddy of mine who owns, I think it's Fat Boys uh, Irrigation, uh, mm-hmm. talks about this all the time. You're overwatering. The vast majority of times we're overwatering. And mm-hmm. and he makes note that we know I'm sitting right here on the lake. He, he said, OK, Dennis, do you want me to take sterile, clean, perfectly fluorinated, chlorinated water and put on your front yard? Or do you want me to take water that's got fish poop on it and spray it on your yard and make your yard greener? And I'm like, Never heard it that way before, you know, yeah. never, never thought of it in that fashion. But in my mind, I also, I, you know, I love the history of the village and I can see Cooper building out. OK, Cooper, as I'm talking a minute ago, Cooper finishes Coronado and they're selling lots of beautiful 90s eras homes. They start Balboa. Well, nobody you're you know, I'm not an engineer by any stretch, but I do know a little bit about garden hoses. And I know that if I take a half inch garden hose and run to Coronado and then I leave Coronado with a three quarter inch, it's not going to get more pressure or more volume. It's just mm-hmm. a bigger tube. So you have different objectives. Cooper had the objective of making homes, selling lots, selling lots, building a building sure. a city. You have a different objective 50 years later. Your objective is to say, okay, how do we make this monolithic, smart, and and economical, right? Yeah. And and you know, no nobody would have done it differently, I don't think. You know, really? I mean, you, that's the way I don't think so. I mean, I think the way you build out the community is is, you know, without without knowing the official growth, you know, you probably, you're not going to oversize everything out the wazoo and, and spend millions of dollars because that same infrastructure now would be that much older. Right. Well, how, so how would you know. have engineered something if you didn't know where the East end of the village was going to be? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily uh, hold, hold them liable for, for it. I think, you know, as a community, as we continue to grow, you know, those are things that you take on and you, you have to resolve in order to make sure you're meeting requirements of the day. You know, so, you know, that's just something we have to do. We have to look at it in the face. We can't ignore it. You know, we can't say, oh, you know, we're not going to touch it. You know, we, well, we have I, to address I, it. I, and, I, and maybe it's my naivety. I did not know we were talking about moving two sewer plants into one. Yeah, man, that but everything on this end, on the West end, everything, the vast majority mm-hmm. is gravity fed and everything on the East end has a pickup pump. Are we going to have to? pick up what goes to cedar and push it all the way back out to the well it's, it's interesting it, it is picked up a lot by gravity but it ultimately it terminates at the cortez lift station right i've been there and it, it's a hell of a lift station My it's Lord. a big lift station so you lots know, of it, pumps big around as me yeah well yeah and, and what happened there and this is this is how it kind of developed was you know one of the ways that we were going to try to resolve some of the system overflows that were happening upstream of cortez was to upgrade those pumps. And we replaced them last year with this, basically the same size pumps that were there. 
Right. Um, and that had started before I got here. So, which was a good thing because those pumps were probably old and failing. So they, they put newer pumps in it to keep the thing fairly reliable. But, but what they didn't do is they didn't leverage the size of the force main, leaving that, uh, lift station down to the plant. So the pumps that they put in basically couldn't full, fully utilize that line. So we got looking at, you know, what, what we could do at that lift station and the pump sizes that we would need to, you know, make use of that full 16 inch line going to the plant, which helps keep the flow in the system upstream lower, you know, it helps deal with oh, that flow coming in. Right. Sure. So it doesn't be a um, bottleneck there at the pump station. Exactly. The lift station. So, yeah. And when we got looking at those pump sizes, you know, for slightly larger pumps, we realized we could actually pump it all the way to Cedar Creek. And we were really? Like, well, yeah. So we were like, well, you know, if we can do that, you know, and then, and we can, get the flow. So we basically, if we put a lift station at, at Mill Creek, build a lift station there and we upsize the pumps at Cortez slightly larger than we would do anyway. Um, we can bypass the plant. Well, aren't you talking about a, aren't you talking about a 10 mile pipe all the way up? It's about the... seven and a half miles. And, and really, you know, it is. Yeah. But, and, and that's a lot of work, but you know, it's interesting. We have, we, you know, when we're taking this bite size is, uh, you know, my guys are very skilled, uh, construction workers. I mean, they, they've laid, you know, some of my more senior people have, have laid some, a lot of the pipe that's in the village. Um, so, oh yeah. Yeah. Larry Hefley and, uh, you know, uh, Chris Butzali. I mean, those guys have been around here 30, 40 years. So, you know, they were involved in, in, in laying some of this stuff into the ground. So, you know, we're actually, uh, developing a team right now. We're going to start with some smaller projects. We're going to run a six inch line from the GG lift station is currently overflowing to, you know, where we have three lines coming to the lift station, only one one small line coming out. And we're going to run another line, and our guys are going to do that line. And that's about a mile and a half line. Um, hmm. And then we're going to get all of the uh, processes down. We're going to make sure we got the equipment. And we've been work- I've been working on that uh, since I got here. You know, and, and we have one piece of equipment left to get. Uh, but when we uh, work through and install that line, it's going to prepare us to actually install that seven-and-a-half-mile line going from, from the – Cortez lift station to, to Cedar Creek. That's, that's my hope. And we'll, you know, that line was estimated at about a million dollars a mile. Um, if we had to pay somebody to do it, mm-hmm. um, which is still more economical than upgrading the plant, by the way. Uh, but my hope is if my team can do it, we can do it for half that. If well, not I've, less. I've seen so. the board, <clears throat> I've seen the board that you have for operations and I'm not going to ask anybody mm-hmm. to look at it or whatever, but you know, you get that this many gallons per minute coming in, this many gallons coming out, here's the chlorine, here's the, and I, I mean, it literally is an automation board showing how the plant works, the, the yep. wastewater and the water treatment plant. Amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful system. I can see now having two of those systems and two sets of teams monitoring that 24 hours a day, 365, right? It gets yeah. a little old, and putting that into one plant would be more con- convenient, I can see, right? Well, and we can incrementally grow the Cedar Creek plant uh, for less than what it would take to upgrade the Mill Creek plant to properly handle the flow. I mean, everything in that plant needs to be upgraded. I mean, every aspect of it is 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 at the point where it needs to be touched. So, you know, when you just look at those costs, I mean, even if we had to spend, you know, $10 million to get the flow over to Cedar Creek, you're still saving five to ten million dollars on not having to upgrade Mill Creek plant. Really? I mean, well, and, and know, it would cost it could cost fifteen to twenty million dollars to upgrade a plant. I mean, it's and, very and, expensive. And so you're saying instead of having four or six really expensive pumps, we have three expensive pumps or really expensive pumps that we monitor those, we watch those, we know what's going on there, 
and and we don't have to replicate services, right? Correct. I mean, you know, if you if you've been to the sewer plants and you you look at what's involved in, in those plants, I mean, operating one is a, a lot less expensive than operating two. Having to upgrade one plant is a lot less expensive than having to upgrade two plants. So let's, so let's pumping okay. everything over there is still is still more economical at the end of the day than, than wow. running two separate plants. Wow. And, uh, I... and you know, they would have never Cooper would have never done that, you know, because it, it was working at the time. Uh, it, they weren't having issues probably like we're having today. Um, and, you know, but longer term for us, it, 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 it's the, it looks like it's the right thing to do all the analysis and everything that we've looked at. It's the way to go. We, you know, we have six people running the plant. We could probably get away with four or five after attrition and, you know, and, uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why we need to do this. And that's the path we're going down on the sewer plant. So, well, let, let me give people a, a, a little higher view here. The, the area behind Cortez Dam is what we're calling Mill Creek. And mm-hmm. we take all the wastewater that comes roughly from the West End, mostly by gravity. We treat it there and we make sure that it meets the standards. We extract the waste from it. We clean the water. We basically allow the water to go back into the middle fork of the Saline River, which is a protected waterway. Is that correct? Yep. So yep. in all those pieces, it's a lot of it's a lot of bars to jump. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the state's going to probably uh, be very happy with the fact that we're looking to do this. They, they You know, the less plants they have to worry about the better uh yeah. same for us I mean, the less plants we have to worry about the better well, two, two uh, things real quick number one for those that don't know back in the day everybody knows the poa building is located at what is that 700 below uh, DeSoto, what is the address 895 there? i think yeah, eight, eight, yeah, yeah 895 sorry yeah. well at number zero DeSoto, just outside the gates the building that cooper recently tore down right there by the water fountains there was a building that on one side, it was a two-story building, and on one side was the POA at one point, and on the other side was Cooper. Someone would come in and say, I want to sell my lot. I don't want it anymore. They would point and say, go over there and see those people at Cooper. You would come into the other side and go, my water's not wanting right, and Cooper would point over to the POA and go, go over there and see those people. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it worked. There were some synergies there. But, but the reason that I'm saying that is, is that Cooper's job was not making the greatest village ever and maintaining it in the highest form. Cooper's job was to build it and make a city in the middle of nowhere, which is what they did. Yeah. And, and when you look at their criteria, mission accomplished, right? And I get your point. I appreciate you not you know, throwing other engineers under the bus. They did the best for what they had at the time based on their criteria, right? Yeah, and look, you know, there's there's other cities that are, you know, I mean, part of Act 605 was put in place, I think, because other cities had similar have similar challenges. And let's talk know, about Act 605. You 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 took my wind out of my sails right there because I was going right back into that. Um, what uh, ten years ago, I did a great deal of work in uh, West Helena, Arkansas. Super nice people. Uh, the Wall Street Journal calls it one of the few places in America that has lost a thousand people a year for the last fifty five years. Let that mm-hmm. sink in, people. It was a heavily dominated agri area that had that needed lots of people to run lots of 40, 40 horsepower tractors to you know get the crops in. Well, now we have two hundred and twenty foot wide tractors mm-hmm. that are a thousand horsepower that, that we don't need so many people. You get the picture. But I saw, and matter of fact, do you know Dennis Swanberg? I'm sure, or uh, Swanberg from the Arkansas Rural Water Association, I assume, right? Uh, actually, I don't. <laughs> buddy, of, sorry. sorry, buddy of mine that he, buddy of mine that that ran the, runs the Rural Water Association, and every mm-hmm. year, just for what it's worth, to, to compare you and to let you know what the the comparison is, West Memphis, 
West Helena, Helena, Pine Bluff, all the places in the Delta, Perrin, Perryville, all these places, they have a convention where they send their water workers to typically hot springs. And mm-hmm. it's the Arkansas Rural Water Association. And Dennis told me, uh, this has been, oh, geez, it's been 30 years ago. He told me that they spend at least three hours a year teaching remedial math to people that have to calculate the waste flow, the water flow, the parts per million, how much chlorine you put in the water, how you treat the water to put it back out. Not all parts of Arkansas are equal, Ken. Would that be a fair assumption? Absolutely. And And one of the reasons that we have Act 605, which I'm going to ask you to describe in detail, is places like Pine Bluff and Helena and Perrin and Perryville. And these are great places. It's just they're the scale for waterworks for them is a lot different. Is that fair? I would think so. I mean, I think, you know, the Act 605, it it really revolves around communities not properly funding for the maintenance and upgrades to their systems over the years. You know, and I think the state, you know, realized that if they didn't start enforcing, you know, certain requirements on, on towns and municipalities or entities such as us, that, you know, they were going to be left holding the bag. Uh, having to come in and, and fix these systems that are that are failing, um, mm-hmm. so you know they put this this law in place to to require communities to uh, you know analyze their systems and determine what needs to happen and make sure that their rates uh, accommodate for those infrastructure improvements. So you know, which I don't, I think across the board, you're going to see this. You know, uh, I mean, we already you know you know talk about water in the lawns. I mean, one of the reasons people water their lawns so much is because our water's so cheap. I mean, you know, and you're going to see rates across the state uh, tied to the 605. They're going to start jumping through the roof because, you know, if they hold these towns accountable, you're going to they're going to have to they're going to have to do this. There's they're, they're not going to have a choice. Well, if so, you haven't seen the, the reason I bring all this up with Dennis Swarmberg and all these other guys is because the Arkansas business probably three months ago did an in-depth article about the West Memphis water plant that failed simply mm-hmm. Failed. They ran out of water. And you're thinking Detroit. No, 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 no. The pumps failed. They did not adequately fund it. They were they were the poster child for amendment for number 605. They simply weren't funded. Dennis and his guys had to go in, bring emergency equipment partially funded by the state just to get this significant municipality about the size of Hot Springs Village, Helena, all the way about 10 or 12,000 people just to get them back up. So. And and I know that the lawmakers looked around and went, you know, we probably got thirty to fifty of these at any time, right? I I, I would imagine it's it's probably greater than than we know. Yeah, you know. But I mean, yeah. you know, and, I, and and here's something that I tell people, you know, six oh five is 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 you know something we have to adhere to. But you know, as a community, it shouldn't take six oh five for us to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, if we have problems out there, or we need to accommodate things that are happening. We got to do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's really just another, you know, I guess, uh, reason to say that it's got to be done. But, we, you know, we can't just ignore this stuff any longer. I mean, it's no, been ignored uh, for way too many years. And most of the people that voted for the increase in, in our rates and stuff realize that, right? And, and, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. But uh, it's just it's good to remind everyone that, that we have this infrastructure that needs to be upgraded and needs to be addressed. And, that, and that's that's what we're trying to do. So. Well, the problem is, and Randy mentions this, and that is, you know, I turn on the tap, water comes out. Hey, it looks like the system's working fine, right? right. I flush right. the toilet, it goes away. Hey, everything's working fine. There's a lot of in- d- discrepancies in between the bigger pipes, littler pipes, that kind of thing. 
and I, and I know we need to wrap up here. I want to cover some other things real quick. Um, apparently, apparently, we're having issues at the Balboa Gate. Apparently, people like to tailgate through there, Ken, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of been a very interesting thing there. Dennis, interesting. You know? I mean, uh, very interesting, you know, for for as long as I've lived here, you know, you anecdotally hear about it. I think it's it's gotten worse anecdotally uh, because, you know, things you hear uh, online or whatever that, that people are tailgating. And I actually had it happen to me and, and I watched how the person did it, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it was about time. You know, I'm not in charge of the gates, but, you know, I talked to Christy. Uh, talk to compliance and I said, you know, what, you know, what can we do? What, you know, let, let me see if my guys, Mike, we can come up with some ideas to help correct it. And I would like to point out that, you know, that a lot of people talk about enforcement of, of tailgating. Well, you know, it's not as simple as it sounds. Um, and, and think about the time constraints, you know, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, you know, police are there to, to protect us and, and, and deal with laws. Um, you know, unless they're able to determine someone is actually trespassing, you know, they would be spending a lot of time, and frankly, uh, to be honest with you, they'd be dealing with a lot of residents who are tailgating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you f- uh, why I know that now. Um, but, uh, you know, and then on the compliance side, you know, you're talking about uh, somebody violating our policy. If they have a right to be in here, if they're a resident, if they're a contractor, somebody called them in, you know, you have to sh- prove that they're, you know, they may have s- swiped their arm. Maybe it registered. Maybe it didn't. The gate opened back up. They go through. How do, how do they know? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't realize I swiped what I thought, you know. So, you know, it, it would take a lot of time that we don't have to try to really enforce what's happening there. So I took the approach is, you know, if we're if we can't if we can't justify doing that, then what can we do to to make it less convenient to tailgate? Mm-hmm. And that's what we did at Balboa Gate. And interestingly enough, after we did that, guess who complained? Residents? Residents. No. No. Yes. Residents. Residents who for years, you know, our friends would come over and follow us in or they would come and we would scan them in at the mm. gate, you know, or, you know, hey, I, uh, you know, I, I, f- I forget my card regularly and I, I have to get into the village and it's so much closer to my home to come in there than going around. And, and that's what we kind of presumed anyway, yeah. that it was mainly residents. But, you know, so if, if we're serious about if we're and, and, and I'll tell you another reason why this is important, but if we're serious about security, then all of us that are residents here need to ensure we're properly scanning our bat, you know, our, our cards when we come into the gate. It's also critical for my team. You know, if we're going to make a case down the road and, and there's reasons for it, for traffic counts and stuff to, mm-hmm. to uh, finally man one of these other gates, because Balboa used to be manned. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the end of the village. Having the data to show that people are coming through the gates is important. Yeah. So, you know, if you live here and, and you're not ensuring that your card is scanning through and you know when your card actually scans, if, you know, um, yeah, you need to do it. You need to do it so that we get accurate counts through all of our unmanned gates. And then the other aspect of this, it was a problem that I think we're, we're working to fix is, you know, a lot of the mapping software directs people to these unmanned gates, depending on where they're coming from. And uh, we're working, we're going to work with our JPs and stuff to try to get signs at some of these key locations to tell people, hey, if, you know, if you're trying to go to the village, go to this address, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at these locations off five and seven. Uh, and there's there's about three or four that, that probably uh, are, are the highest uh, counts there that, that cause people to go to the, to the Glazy Poe Gate or Danville mm-hmm. Gate. Or the so we're going to work on 
And I've also submitted stuff to Google to try to tell them, hey, these are restricted access. Can you can you take them off? And if we as resident, any resident can do that, by the way. Really? You can go into Google mapping software under feedback and, and give them feedback to say, hey, pl- stop putting this, you know, these gates into, uh, you know, as, as access points to the village. And uh, maybe if they hear about it from enough of us, they'll actually uh, change their software. So stop directing people there. But yeah, I thought over. that was interesting. I, I've been yelled at from residents who, who don't want to follow the policies uh, to, to go through those gates. And, and so that tells me it's working, number one. So uh-huh. what we did is actually working. I don't know if you've been through there since we put up. No, our, no, 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 no. Oh, you so, got to so go through there. So the, the answer is it shouldn't apply to me. It should apply to those people trying to get through behind me until I need those people behind me to be my friends. Right. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, and, that, and again, we kind of assume that was it. So imagine if we were spending all of our time tracking down residents who are just violating the policies, you know, and are, are we going to really go after all of them? I mean, we could. I mean, we could. But my hope mm-hmm. is, is that people will start to uh, adhere to our policies and, and some of the measures we put in place, which didn't cost very much, will will help convince them that that's what they need to do. So yeah, very clearly. Well, and I want to tell you, Diane and I were coming out of uh, the Great Smoky National Forest. We came out, we, we drove across a beautiful bridge, beautiful rolling creek, and dead ahead of us was a professionally made sign that said, your GPS is wrong. This does not take you to the gorge. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's that kind of thing where, you know, the yeah. GPS, once it gets it in its system, it's kind of hard to get that back out, if you know what I mean. Yep, yep. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work with Google, but you know, I think the signs might help if we can get them up there on the side streets off of five and seven where people who think they're going toward us and get in, you know, realize, yeah. hey, we need to go into the main gate. So just just a nosy question, because I know you're running you run these numbers, too. We close the east gate at 10 p.m. I get it. Mm-hmm. Traffic drops off after 10 p.m. Yep. Anyway, we're going to extend those or is that just where it is? You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know what Kist, uh, Christie's using for the criteria for that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I haven't yeah. really looked into that to, to understand if we if we need to open that up more. And look, you know, I mean, you know. We pay. We pay a lot of money for gate security. Uh, believe it or not, I mean, it's it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, hmm. I mean, last thing I heard, I thought it was over half a million. So we pay a really? lot of money. Yeah, we pay a lot of money for for the gate security. So every time we add or we want to increase certain levels of security for things, you know, people got to realize that that costs money, like everything else in the world. As little and, as uh, ten years ago, there was a rumor going around that those were all volunteers from the village, and they just volunteered their time twenty four hours a day. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's nah, how that works. Nah. And we used to, you know, there used to be volunteers that would help help man the gates. I remember those days, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's there's a lot of good legal reasons why we don't want to do that anymore, mm-hmm. um, and have a professional security company do it, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to manage it and I'm going to work with my peers to try to improve, you know, security throughout the village the best, best way we can for the least amount of money. And we'll see what happens. Well, one last shout out. You mentioned something I wanted to talk about compliance. Now I got news for you. That is the most two edged sword I've ever seen in my life. And we're going to miss Charlie Brown. I hate to see him leave December yep. 31st. He's leaving, but, and I understand, but you talk about a no win job. Oh my lord! I, as as my lovely wife would say, you couldn't pay me to do that job. So we sincerely appreciate him doing that job the last few years. Yeah, and you're probably going to hear this. So I, you know, this will be a breaking announcement uh, from any uh, the news media that I that I that I talk to, and I do consider you that in some respects. Is news? Yes, all right. You're official. Um, you know, so you know, the, we are not replacing Charlie Brown. We're at the, you know, Kelly made the decision to actually break break the, his department up into, into different segments. 
my team is actually, you know, uh, welcoming the uh, permits and inspections organization under my umbrella. Cool. Um, and compliance will actually be moving to the PD department. Uh, you know under, what? Under their guys. I can, I can yeah. see that. I really can. It, it's kind of that reorganization that until something happens, you don't know how you would do it any differently until you go, hey, well, that's how we would do it differently, right? Yeah. And, and, and frankly, you know, from everything we hear, it, it, it used to be that way. Um, really? You know, yeah. So we're not, we're kind of going, you know, around the wheel, which is not uncommon in a lot of things. So, um, and, and I, we, we both believe Kelly and I and, and chief, uh, that the synergies that we're going to get by moving these organizations under the different umbrellas will, will help the, the village and, and help us achieve our goals. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I mean, I deal, I deal with permanent compliance, uh, uh, permanent inspections, uh, you know, weekly. On, on different things. So, um, you know, we can get better aligned there um, on, on our, our common objectives. And then I think compliance compliance and, and police is, is clearly, a, you know, there's a synergy there that, you know. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> because because when the compliance officer comes and politely knocks on the door and says, you need to, can we talk about, and then the person starts screaming wildly. Yeah, you want to be backed up by the police department, in my opinion. Yeah, and, you know, and I, I think, you know, and I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but I think we may see a different approach there a little bit, too. So, you know, it'll really? be interesting to see how how, how things go as, uh, as we change. So. Yeah, well, Ken, as always, it's a pleasure. I tell you what, next time, next time, we're not going to make it as long. We'll see you in a few weeks, okay? All right, Dennis. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thanks. it. Talk to you soon, buddy. Yep, bye. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.